All right, what's up, class? This is Optimus Fields at My Living Truth, and we are at block height 642,555, and the current price is 11,842. And again, this week, I'm going to start the show without Nick. He's dumping me for Bitcoin Magazine, drinks in quarantine, go watch that. He should show up pretty soon. And uh, without further ado, let's introduce who we have this week on the show. So let's start with Coin Icarus. Hey, what's happening? I'm the host of the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. And uh, as always, I'm happy to be here. For sure. Glad you came back out. 2A, introduce yourself. Hi, guys. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, hi, guys. I'm a Colombian Bitcoin enthusiast and a shitcoin hater. <laughs> Two, uh, let's get your input a little bit today. I, I love your stories. And uh, next we got Jackie. Yo, boys, there ain't much to say. I'm Jackie. Commie killer. Extraordinaire. <laughs> next we got Jamie. Yo, what's up? It's Jamie, live from uh, Florida. Love Bitcoin. For sure, for sure. Uh, Jester, you're next. Hey, uh, Jesper here, uh, Bitcoin Kindergarten OG and uh, Lightning Tinkerer. Let's go. Next, we got Nico. What's up, guys? My name's Zeke. Nico, a.k.a. Bitbolt7, host of the Crypto Creamers. Let's go. Next, we got Surfer Jim. Hey, thanks for having me once again. Surfer is flat. Long <laughs> Island is flat like it always is in July and August. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, next, we got Nabismo. Hey, what's up? Nabismo coming from Massachusetts. Big time Bitcoin kindergarten fan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out, bro. And last and certainly not least, we got Dylan. What's up, guys? Excited to set a chat. Dope, dope. All right, boys. So uh, this week, I'm starting out on a Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard. Um, Last week at the end of the show, I noticed some really cool metrics that uh, have changed in, I guess, the last month. And um, I thought it might be a, a good place to start with a conversation. And so the metrics that I noticed that uh, got me pretty excited was the first one is that the average fees per block is it's been increasing a lot. Last week when I saw it, it was like 0.84 Bitcoin. And yesterday when I checked it again, it was at 0.92 Bitcoin. And today, excuse me, the average fee per block is 0.94 Bitcoin. So it looks like the the fee market is, uh, you know, developing. And I won't say soon, but, uh, you know, we, we, we might be uh, eating up the the block, the block subsidy soon. And uh, that, that seems like some pretty good news. And then... Um, the next one I noticed, and and we'll just chat about this uh, once I get through the the metrics, and then and then we'll talk about it. The next metric that I noticed was that um, the realized monetary inflation on Bitcoin is currently at three point three percent, and I remember looking at that. I think it was like a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, and it was somewhere hovering above four percent, and that is a uh, you know. Definitely really cool to see considering that now uh, 
we got a lower inflation rate than silver. Silver's uh, inflation rate, according to Plan B's uh, stock to flow model article, the original one is 4.5%, and gold is 1.6%. So we're 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 coming in and and we're on gold's ankles on inflation rate. So that's also really cool to see. And then the last metric was that the Bitcoin uh, realized stock to flow ratio is at 30. And again, based on Plan B stock to flow model uh, original article, the silver stock to flow is 22 and gold stock to flow is 62. So considering those metrics, we still got a ways to go uh, to catch up to uh, gold stock to flow, but we're doing better than silver. And for those new to Bitcoin and stock to flow chart, technically the stock to flow, at least that number, the last number would mean that it would take 62 years for the um, the new supply to catch up with the current supply for gold. And it would take 30 years for the new supply of Bitcoins to catch up with the current supply, which is technically not, not possible considering there's only 21 million Bitcoins. But... Uh, Nick, he's not here today, but he wanted to emphasize that currently there is only 2,546,550 Bitcoins left to mine. And the fact that we have somewhere near, I don't know, 7 billion plus people that are going to be fighting for those Bitcoins, it looks like the Bitcoin scarcity is gonna get crazy guys and as we can see the price has been pumping and you know i'm i'm definitely an accumulation hopium boys like i'm hoping that we could get a little sideways action but you know honey badger don't give a fuck and so it's looking like the scarcity is about to start kicking in and i'm definitely feeling it i'm wondering what you guys are thinking all right so let's open up the discussion and then i'll just guide it from there any thoughts any thoughts don't be shy now. I know I chastised All right. you. I'll up, go Jim? first. Get it, Jim. Um, yeah, so th this dashboard you're looking at, I pulled it up when you were talking, and it's got a lot of really good metrics. Um, the I, I think that stock-to-flow ratio at 30, um, maybe you could, maybe you could um, clarify because I'm not even sure. Isn't that based on no further halvings and then as soon as we hit the next halving that stock to flow ratio completely changes and maybe even doubles and matches gold i am i right in the I, way it's pre, uh, calculated on this chart i thought it might have been done that way i think it i think it jumps and it makes a leap at the next halving but it, it'll like slowly start trickling i think considering um the new bitcoins that are released but yeah i think yeah you're right. i, I I think, yeah, I think that's a metric uh, assuming the issuance rate didn't change. I don't think that stock-to-flow ratio is taking into con into consideration the known reduction in mining rewards that will happen at every halving. And uh, I, I, oh, sorry, Jim. I, that's right. I recall uh, somebody on a podcast somewhere talking about this saying, as soon as we hit the next halving, we'll be at the same stock-to-flow ratio as gold. So, Beautiful. you know, a little under four years. Now, I could be wrong. I could have heard it wrong. I might have misunderstood it. That's what I thought, which is phenomenal when you think about it, because gold's been around for 5,000 years and Bitcoin's yeah, exactly. only been 11. 
But uh, the world is waking up. I agree with your analysis. The world is waking up and that scarcity is going to kick in. And this pandemic, uh, global monetary printing craziness is only going to exacerbate that, in my opinion. If I could hop in here, um, from what I took, from what I took away, um, and the I don't know the exact um, name of the website. It's like Digital Digitech. I don't know. I think you guys have probably seen him on Twitter. He, it's like he made like a live website. Yeah, Digitalic. There you go. He makes like a live uh, tracker of like the stock to flow uh, ratio, and he he does uh, the weekly stock to flow, or like I think daily too, as like, and he just uses that like by calculating hash rate. Um, and then along with like the the like yearly or like 365 day stock to flow, so I think like the the weekly or like daily stock to flow right after the having technically jumped to like 50 or 60 range, right right around the the having we were at like a 25 stock to flow, and I think what he uses for like the the 30 metric like Clark Moody, uh, and like Digital Ec, that the 30 and we're slowly increasing that stock to flow. That's like it's the last 365 days of production, so. We have about like what two months of of the 6.25 block subsidy era or epoch along with like 10 months of the previous uh, epoch so that uh, flow ratio is going to slowly just keep ticking 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 yeah. and then when we when we get the next having i think it's going to be around the 60 range and the like the daily stock to flow ratio or like the instant stock to flow ratio if you'd want to call it that even though it's calculated over the last year will jump to like 120 and over the next four years from 2024 to 2028 it'll start going from 60 to around 120 ish slowly but surely so dylan if um, if i understand you correctly the guy who's calculating it daily he's adding the brand new supply and increasing the stock every single day or even every 10 minutes and then recalculating again would that be fair to say yeah so taking like the i, I don't know if like if he calls it the daily stock to flow, but he basically it's like the instantaneous stock to flow ratio. So it's like, oh, it's it's basically for broadcasting out like 900 Bitcoin a day being um, being produced. Right. So each day, right. So each day the stock increases. So the number uh, in the up. equation, in the you know the number in the equation goes up to replicate a new starting number. Here's the new stock, and here's the flow for tomorrow. And then yep. you, I guess there's a, some other metric where he's averaging out the 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 a year's worth previous yeah. and and okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a million ways you can create a statistical analysis of of almost anything. So it is helpful to know how that is arrived at. But yeah, the the important thing for anybody listening to know is that this stock to flow thing is a ratio of how much is being produced relative to how much already exists. And with US dollars, you don't know what it is. They make as much as they want. With gold, you, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. Uh, it's been historically very low because gold is hard to find. But if the price of gold goes up enough, all of a sudden this, the flow could start increasing and the stock to flow ratio could come down. Uh, with Bitcoin, it's known. It's an absolute uh, finite amount. And the halving uh, that happens every four years indicates and dictates the uh, the issuance rate. So the the it's absolutely known for certain the stock to flow ratio of Bitcoin will go up and it will pass every other asset in history because it just will. It's not going to not. The math is there, right? So, but everything else is questionable, and so that's why we're so passionate about this Bitcoin thing. There's so much surety in this. There's so so much 
that's figured out that's going to happen that we're all that we're all supporting and we're all betting on uh, because of the math. It's all based in the math. There you go. As the latest meme going around Twitter, run the numbers, boys and girls. It's all math. That's exactly it. That's what's behind all this. You start looking at these numbers, and it all comes together. And the stock-to-flow ratio is just one of them. But it's a really good one to understanding money and value. You missed the F word in there, Optimus. What, what, oh, 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 we're trying to keep it professional. Nick, Nick, <laughs> Nick's making me be professional tonight. <laughs> uh, Joe, oh, yeah, Joe in the chat wanted us to go over the um, another metric on Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard, and he wanted to hear uh, Bitcoin priced in gold. So currently, one Bitcoin is worth 5.7 ounces of gold. And Bitcoin is currently 1.65% of the gold market. So anyone running the numbers out there and just even has a hint of thinking that the Bitcoin price will go up, there's definitely a lot of space for growth in the Bitcoin market. So as Joe just put in the chat, he's being shy tonight, that uh, these are some good metrics to watch. Because it's uh, the two hardest money that we have currently, and they're duking it out. So that's that's going to be interesting to keep watching into the future. Also, uh, hey, can I? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. get it. I was just going uh, to say. I just wanted to say the uh, that what you what you just read on the the uh, Clark Moody's dashboard: Bitcoin versus gold market cap, one point six five. Um, Many people, including me, believe that uh, Bitcoin will become a larger store of value than gold. That is, people will stick their value into Bitcoin, and the only way for that to happen is for the value of each Bitcoin to go up, to, to suck in that, that other value from other things. So if Bitcoin is only 1.65%, less than 2% of the world's value of gold, if all the gold in the world was put into Bitcoin... The value of a Bitcoin, who knows what it would be. But it doesn't. Even, that doesn't even have to happen because there's value in things all over the planet that people might say, I'm going to take it out of this building, this piece of land, and I'm going to put it in this Bitcoin thing again. So at 2% of gold's market cap, Bitcoin has so much growth ahead. And at $11,000, it's going to look so cheap in 20 years. People are going to just go, I can't believe I thought 11000 was expensive. So those so are some numbers for you. Run folks. the numbers, folks. Run the numbers. Super bullish. And uh, maybe, Dylan, maybe you want to jump in a little bit and we'll get a little speculative like we did last night with Jestifer. You got any of those thoughts on, on, on the tip of your tongue? Yeah, man. I, I can definitely uh, go on about that. I mean, just like looking at the the macro environment, like, um, and Preston Pish, great follow on Twitter. He's he's been basically screaming from the rooftops about, about all of this. But I mean, when you look in the world, you got 17, $16 trillion of negative yielding. And that's just nominal terms, sovereign bonds. So you have 16, $17 trillion of value sitting in bonds with a gale. Basically it's people buy these bonds not because of the yield, but because they think they're going to go more negative because as, as bond prices or the yields go down, the bond price goes up. It's just like, I mean, it's the biggest Ponzi scheme ever. 
And that's not even a, in, like accounting for inflation. And so central banks continue to push yields lower and lower and lower. And that when yields are lower, equities go up, real estate goes up, any any asset really goes up. So, I mean, there's all of this money sloshing around with, with really no real yield. That's why you see tech stocks in this huge speculative bubble. If if a if a one percent goes into Bitcoin, like which is completely, it's completely reasonable. I mean, this is worst. It's still a nascent store of value here, but its properties are the best the world has ever seen. So, yeah, really bullish. A um, lot of lot of money sloshing around. That's getting no return. Um, yeah, I think Bitcoin's going to play a, a huge role um in the in the macro landscape the next decade hey can i add a quick uh tack on to that yeah so um you guys might know uh, adam meister he does one bitcoin show every day and on fridays he does uh, this week in bitcoin and he asked me to be on tomorrow with francis pouillot and uh there's uh, a company called he he tech he sent me a direct message because he's going to talk about this it's called MicroStrategy. A $1.2 billion publicly traded company is diversifying its cash holdings to include Bitcoin. So I did a little research. This company is very big. They're a publicly traded company, and they're going to now take half of their $500 million that sits in cash and buy Bitcoin with it because they're afraid to leave it in cash and they're afraid to stick it in other places at this point. And they just did a, a video, uh, what is it, a, like an annual meeting thingy where the CEO got on there and he, st- and he talked about we're going to you know, start keeping some cash in Bitcoin instead of just cash because we think it's a better place to stick it. That's a huge. That's a huge big company with all those millions and they've done the research and they're saying let me stick some of my wealth and, and, and hold it here instead of dollars or yen or British pounds or anything else. So and the very, best part very is big. They can borrow for for two. I mean, I don't know about that company in particular, but with the Fed buying up the entire bond market, basically, and basically making sure, providing unlimited liquidity, that like you, these companies can borrow at almost zero cost. I mean, it's like yeah. two, three percent, like corporate bond yields, despite business conditions being awful. So typically, that would mean that bond yields, their investors are risk off. Means. It would be tough for a company to get financing typically, but with the Fed just sh- shoving out unlimited liquidity, essentially, corporate bond yields are at the lowest they've ever been. So everybody's piling into risk, and you, people and companies can get debt financing for super cheap. So I mean, like you see Apple, these these tech giants, Apple sitting on two hundred billion dollars cash on their balance sheet, but the Fed's buying their bonds and they're buying back their stock with it. I my view is that I mean the, I don't think share buybacks stop, but I think Bitcoin will take the place of share buybacks to an extent over the next decade. Like that's going to be the kind of the balance sheet buffer instead of levering up, borrowing a bunch of money to buy back stock. You lever up at two percent, one percent. I mean, probably it's a negative real yield after inflation, and you buy Bitcoin because yeah. why wouldn't? Yeah, you? right. It's logical. Hey, yeah, hey, and, hey, and seeing this big company do it, that you'll see others do it. Yep. Hey, Jim, what was that company's name? Uh, it's called MicroStrategy. MicroStrategy is cool. Yeah, they're a big company worldwide. They do all kinds of stuff, tech stuff, and uh, yeah, they're seeing the they're seeing the reality of this Bitcoin thing. You know, all it takes. Look, 
us guys, regular folks, we studied, we figured this thing out. We're like, whoa, this is unbelievable. A lot of other people that are bigwigs that got a lot of money, they think, ah, that's, you know, magical internet money like it used to be called. Finally, they're finally going, wait a minute now. 11 grand, it didn't go away. 11 years, wait a minute, maybe we ought to look. And then they got somebody smart that like us that studied it. And they walked into the CEO and go, listen, dude, you are going to be look like the biggest idiot if you don't get into this. And this company was one of the first ones. They finally, they finally figured it out, man. It's an, this is a big move, man. This is one of these things that could push Bitcoin really high, really fast. As soon as a couple other big worldwide companies do this, we're going to the moon, boys. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, uh, Jester and Dylan and I were in here last night after prepping, and we were talking exactly about that. We were just kind of speculating about what the you know the short-term future outlook of bitcoin price is and we said basically the same thing like once some big companies start buying in we we were kind of saying i don't know maybe at like half a trillion market cap or something like that you know above 20k so you know roughly around that point once the real fomo starts jumping in it's like the price is going to go crazy and it's like we were like we were saying last night it's like you know buckle up like you better be prepared because you know we're ahead of the game and, and it's going to get crazy out there. So, you know, if, if you're a noob listening to this, maybe we got a little hopium, hopium uh, hook on you, but the price is going to get nuts. And, and as I said earlier, I, I've been definitely feeling it. And I'm like, man, I don't have enough Bitcoin. Oh, God, this price is going to run away from me. Like, I need <laughs> It's never going to run away. It's never going to be. It's never going to be a bad time to buy Bitcoin for the next 50 years. It's yeah. Never, uh, no, ever. I agree with that. It is more. It's more like my greedy sat stacking accumulation. Oh yeah, like of course. My my, I can't buy a million sats for a hundred dollars anymore. Man, like. Oh, hurts. I was pissed about that too. <laughs> once it passed ten thousand, I didn't like that one either. <laughs> Agreed. So good. Was that Clinicers? Yeah. Nine oh. K looks so good. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> such cheap sats <laughs> i'm uh, just gonna go jamie oh yeah i'm just gonna add in a few things uh because i have to go to bed in 10 minutes i have early flight to catch tomorrow so um i'm just curious about what bitcoin, how bitcoin will perform in because uh, i do believe there is we are in the midst of a tech bubble if there's a tech bubble to pop and because Amazon, Apple, all those six stocks are pulling up the entire stock market by the collar. So if there is, we are, if we are in the midst of a tech bubble, will there be a short term liquidity crunch? Will every, will all assets be sold off in the short term as a short, like flash crash sort of thing? Uh, if not, if all this spending because because you have to have spending to have inflation so all this money printing is good for bitcoin bullish for bitcoin but no one's spending it uh personal savings are all-time highs for people in the u.s uh stuff like that um yeah i'm just curious if bitcoin will perform how it will perform when not if when a tech bubble pops so yeah and everybody's thoughts on that my personal opinion is that, um, well, like if you just look at the the previous comparison, so like the past bubbles, like maybe look at the 2000 tech bubble or 08 um, with housing crisis, subprime, 
um, both of those bubbles, basically, I mean, it was a bubble beforehand, but the Fed came in and tightened because they realized, you know, like, oh, you know, they had they had easy policy that helped fuel the bubble. Easy monetary policy got a lot of money and liquidity flowing around looking for some sort of return. There's a big bid up and then the Fed realizes because they're the idiots look at CPI and not asset price inflation and and debt levels. They go, oh, there's a bubble and they tighten, which leads to the eventual burst of the bubble. Well, this time we come in with basically an everything bubble. And after probably like, I mean, I think 30, 40 years, 1980 of just continuing to to lower interest rates every single time there's debt loads get too high. They lower interest rates. That loads get too high, they ease lower interest rates. Well, we're basically at the end of that cycle where every, like global central banks are basically all at zero or zero in, in real terms, even negative. Europe and Japan are negative. So, I mean, the everything bubbles here and, and you're seeing the big names, the tech, just, I mean, they're leading the rally here, but everything's a bubble. You, tech's a bubble. The bond market's an unbelievable bubble, bigger than equities. Real estate's a bubble. Commercial real estate is, is just screwed to put it to put it lightly so i think the bubble pops in my opinion into bitcoin i mean the, the fed is well has like proven and shown the market we're a buyer at, like especially treasury bonds but even junk bonds corporate bonds we're a buyer at any level if there's not if there's not a buyer if there's not an investor will we will buy and they're basically pinning yields at zero or close to zero they won't let yields rise. So that I don't think I think they can play this game for a long, long time. And that's what leads people you mean gold rallying, Bitcoin rallying, like silver's rallying besides besides the tech, um, the tech industry. But I think the bubble pops by investors logically looking and saying, Hey, I need some protection. And all of a sudden there's there's this, you know, sound money, absolutely scarce sound money ripping. And what's what's logically what, what do you do as an investor? You want to get some. Well, good luck because, you know, only 900 are produced a day. Yeah. Like, like in long term, yes. Uh, I believe that money will flow into Bitcoin uh, from this pop of an eventual bubble. But I'm talking more short term. Uh, when, when It's almost like when everybody thinks it'll crash and starts pulling their money out. It crashes like, like, like it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy sort of thing in the short term. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, as, I'm just curious to watch. I'm just here to yeah, watch. Yeah, as far as like, as far as I've been thinking, like I've definitely been like a doom and gloomer for a while. I'm like, oh man, they can't keep the the charade going that much longer. But the more I listen to like podcasts like the Stefan Levera and Caitlin Long one, and and I think of you know not necessarily just like the tech stocks, but the dollar, you know, trying to short the dollar, I'm like, man, they could probably keep this game going on for a lot longer than I than I would hope. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a little better that it doesn't happen in like one giant flash crash, but a more like a subtle just. You know, they try to keep the, the game going, but the wheels fall off. And so then we'll get some people to just filter into Bitcoin slowly but surely. But I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'll I be honest. I have no clue. Jesper, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Uh, the 
as far as like short-term stuff goes, you know, I'm I'm not a trader. You know, most people that trade Bitcoin like are going to be on the wrong side of trades, especially if you're trading with leverage. So just like a word of caution there. Um, but one thing that I wanted to highlight since we're like talking about metrics, um, when I look at Clark Moody's dashboard, I usually look at the grayscale uh, Bitcoin premium. So that like uh, you could buy GBTC, which is grayscale Bitcoin, um, like in your you know retirement account. So that's if you know nothing about Bitcoin, you're probably going to buy Grayscale. And Clark Moody's dashboard tracks the premium of the price of, of the Grayscale price compared to like the amount of Bitcoin that they actually hold. Um, and right now that Grayscale premium is 27%. So that is the premium that you would pay if you don't know how to store your own keys and your store your own Bitcoin securely. So, so just uh, so that's kind of like a plug for just educate yourself about this technology to learn how to store it securely for the long term. And and we put together a video about that shameless plug. Um, and soon, uh, if I can tease a little bit, soon we'll have it in Spanish, um, so that you know anyone. Hopefully, anyone in the world can be able to store Bitcoin for the long term and take advantage of this massive macro opportunity that that we're looking at for the near future. Oh yeah, oh yeah, beautiful. But um, oh yeah, but GPTC is—I'm um, pretty sure the premium is what you pay. You, you don't—you're not paying Grayscale that premium. You're paying other investors who are getting out that premium. That premium, uh, if there is an ETF to release on Bitcoin, that premium goes to pretty much nothing because there's competition. But Grayscale, Grayscale GBTC is the only basically Bitcoin derivative exposure like asset you can get. Bitcoin, ah, GBTC is the only way you can gain exposure to Bitcoin through retirement account. So that's why it has such a high premium. But if, if an ETF were to release, that premium goes away. But for the short term, just for you're absolutely right. Premium shows how uh, much people want it, and that's great. Yeah, great, great point. Yeah, I, we're, I think lot, lots of us are hoping for an, a, a Bitcoin ETF, but it hasn't really materialized yet, and needs needs approval from uh, some government agencies. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, stressful. We don't even need the ETF, guys. Like. I guess I know that'll help for like uh, institutional investors, but after listening to um, Caitlin Long on the Stefan Levera, it sounds like the ETFs and, and paper trading Bitcoin is that people are already trying to rehypothecate Bitcoins or make more claims on the Bitcoins that are already out there. And while that won't affect Bitcoin in the long run, you know, it might wreck a lot of investors in the short term. So, you know, who knows what is going to happen, but. Like, just take your coins off the exchange, you know, stack your sats, own your wallets, and, and you'll be good to go. But, you know, I guess Grandma and, and, and Uncle Bob are probably going to put their stuff in the in Wall Street and, and try to get some exposure to Bitcoins. But who am I to say anything? I'm just a humble Bitcoin stacker. Uh, anyone else got some thoughts on this before I kind of change angles real quick?
Nope. Okay. All right. Well, hold your peace. All right. So this next one, Nico, unmute yourself. You're you're our in-house miner, and uh, we got a few we got a few mining questions for you. So uh, the first one is: Is it possible to mine with a budget of one to three k? Slash, what would be the best ways to go about it? Dude, it's my. It's definitely my. It's definitely possible to mine with one to three k. I would suggest that if you're getting into mining, the first ASIC that you buy, see it as a hobby rather than a return on investment, because most likely you will not make your money back. But the things that you'll learn setting up that miner and the greater appreciation that you will that you will gain of what mining is and what it contributes to the hash rate i think is fucking priceless because i think that coming from like the mining perspective it gives me a very unique outlook on bitcoin because i don't really like when someone asks me like oh look the price of bitcoin's at 11,000 right I'm kind of like, okay, like what's the hash rate, right? Because if I want to see like the beating heart of Bitcoin, like its health, I look at the hash rate. I don't look at the price because the hash rate equals price, but the price does not equal the hash rate, right? And um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys understand that when I say that, but I think that if you do get into mining, I think that you can absolutely do it. You can absolutely, absolutely do it with one to three k. Just don't go into it with any expectations of like making your money. Like go into it with okay, how do I learn about mining? And then obviously, if you have a passion for it, if you really do like it, then you could you know scale it up like you do with everything in life, right? And I I would say the best resource um, that you can get would be one of those hmm i would say like best asicminer.com is good but like one of those websites that tracks down how much like how much you would pay for costs depending on how much you're paying per kilowatt hour and that's going to give you a really good indication of like not only are you going to spend like 1 to 2k on an asic right but this is how much i'm going to pay for electricity one month cuz guys fucking expensive dude like just one machine you know you're gonna see your your electric bill go up you know like 100 200 bucks depending on what machine you get right um so man i, I definitely think it's absolutely worth it though because it's just there's so much to learn there's so much to learn like if you've never done it before it's like setting up a node for the first time like it just gives you a deeper appreciation for bitcoin beautiful bro and are you so this next question has to deal with uh mining with oil and gas are you familiar with that side of mining or are you just using straight up electricity um absolutely i absolutely do know people that use that um so yeah i could i could help with answer that i can help to answer that question but i do i don't do it personally myself i just i use the grid all right. Well, then this next question says, is anyone familiar with using Bitcoin mining to subsidize oil and gas producers slash reduce their emissions? Or are they interested in starting a business or have a pretty good understanding of the business development side? OK, so I could answer this question in two parts. 
Yes, sir. First part, I'm just going to give you a really good example. Um, and I heard this the other day. Um, so the other, the first example I'm going to give you is you, you guys, some of you guys live up north, I'm assuming, right? Where it gets really cold. Yeah, a few of us. Um, so do you guys Absolutely. know the, like, and you go into a mall or something and there's like a divider between, there's like a door on the outside and then there's like this weird inside room and there's like this hot air that's blowing into the middle and then you open the inside door and then you go into the mall, right? But the divider like kind of keeps the temperature okay, right? So what people have figured out to do is instead of this really expensive like hot air blower this heater whatever you want to call it they put asics instead and it's perfect and you can't tell the fucking difference right because those things produce a hella heat but instead of you just producing hella heat to keep everyone warm now you're producing hella heat to get to and you get paid to do so right so that's fucking cool and then the second answer to the question is okay like you have to understand and there's this misconception, right? Where it's like Bitcoin wastes a lot of energy with its mining, whatever. That's not true because Bitcoin mining, you have to kind of go to the cheapest, most efficient electricity as possible, right? So you're always looking for a cheaper rate. And what tends to happen is, especially you're seeing a lot in, in Texas with what's going on right now, is that a lot of this power that's being overproduced, it tends to be very isolated, right? So it's produced in an area that it has a shit ton of electricity producer, either because of natural gas or, or whatnot, right? But there's no electrical infrastructure in place to transport that electricity to the grid where it's actually going to be used, right? Because it's really fucking isolated. Sorry. It's really isolated. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it, it, it brings up this very unique thing, right, where that electricity would go to waste and the person who's producing that, right, would actually lose money. So now these Bitcoin miners come in and they say, hey, I can take that off your hand. And it's a win-win situation for the electricity producer, right? Because now he just doesn't have to sit on his hands anymore because there's a willing buyer and for the miner because he's getting very cheap electricity in return, right? So Bitcoin miners don't use excess electricity. Bitcoin miners are using electricity that's already on the market that's not being consumed by people. Because if that electricity was being consumed, it's like basic economics, right? If people are both looking for the same thing, the price goes up and the Bitcoin miner could no longer mine there because he's getting out. He's getting out competed in another area. Right. So it, it forces miners to look for the most efficient electricity as possible. And when I mean efficient, I mean the cheapest electricity source as possible. And that tends to be isolated elect uh, electricity producing areas. Bitcoin doesn't waste electricity. Bitcoin uses waste electricity. Absolutely. And I and I and I've touched upon this many times um, because there's this fucking misconception where it's like Bitcoin uses more electricity in the country of Denmark. And I'm like, dude, no, 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 no. OK, that electricity was already going to fucking waste. That person w was already losing that money. Right. Like 
that like that was already being burnt right like that wasn't going to be used anyways right a bitcoin miner came in and he facilitate facilitated a trade where the the for example like there's 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 operations in iceland where they use there in Iceland, there's a lot of like it because it's it's basically a, an island surround. It's a volcano island, right? There's a lot of what's it called where like the earth is really warm and they use steam to make geothermal. Geothermal. Thanks, Jim. So they use geothermal electricity. So that was never going to be used, but it was already there. And the government and the people of Iceland benefit from Bitcoin miners being there. But let's say people needed that electricity, right? Let's say a million people just moved to the country of Iceland and all of a sudden Iceland needs a fuck ton of electricity. The Bitcoin miners would be the first people to leave because all of a sudden their rates just gone up and they could no longer stay there, right? So Bitcoin mining forces Bitcoin miners to go to the most efficient places. And the most efficient places are places with excess electricity, period. There's no such thing, right? Like you could kind of put up my example where it's like, okay, you know, like I started in Venezuela and there's this geopolitical thing where I got to pay the black market rate for the dollar and, you know, it, it gets complicated. But man, that's a very unique situation. Most of the time, you're going to the place where the cheapest electricity possible is where you want to mine, right? And now what you're starting to see is like upstate New York, uh, Washington DC and the and sorry not Washington DC what am i saying Washington state was like the hotbed in the 2017 2018 pump and now you're starting to see huge investment in Texas like Texas is becoming a big deal right partly because their electricity sector or their energy sector is unregulated and partially also because people have figured out that these natural gas producing sites that are extremely isolated from everywhere else, you could kind of jiggy rig a part of that natural gas to produce electricity to basically run miners, right? And that could help fund your natural gas mining operation, right? So like it, it's it's not, it, Bitcoin mining doesn't use like the, the way that you would say where it doesn't just use electricity. No, it goes towards where electricity is already being used and it's it's actually being produced in excess and it's actually giving those people a hand and you've never you you were you never used to see that before before that electricity or that energy production would just go to waste and you would lose in uh dude you, you would lose it'd be it would it would it would it's it's worse for the economy you're in i don't know the exact words i hope that answers your question i think you answered it beautifully and uh, if if there's someone out there that wants to look into some more mining data or or mining opportunities, you can look up uh, Steve Barber on Twitter and Upstream Data and or Marty Betts, um, Great American Mining Company. And uh, they're uh, exclusively working with oil and gas mining and they have some really cool stuff that they've been doing. So that was really cool. Thank you, Nico. Appreciate it. Um, this next one is from 2A. 2A, you want to introduce this one, or or do you just want me to read this? Uh, well, um, I don't know. Well, I'm curious about the backstory of the 2X uh, thing. Uh, ba vaguely understand what happened in uh, 
back then. So I, I just wanted to know how did uh, Bitcoin fought the miners since they controlled the, the hash rate? How did the community organize itself to fight this uh, Bitcoin fork or avoiding the, the Bitcoin to be getting forked by, by the other side? And I can explain. Yeah, and specifically the question was regarding UASF. But yeah, jump in. Yeah, so um, what I suggest you do, what I suggest everybody do, is go and listen to the uh, anniversary show that Bitcoin Magazine did. And Aaron Van Weirdom does a really excellent two or three minute overview of exactly what happened. Um, I will try to summarize it. He does a way better job than me. So in 2015, approximately, there was a, a dispute be, uh, that began between different people within the industry about the size of the blocks. And developers came up with this idea called segregated witness, and it was going to help facilitate the lightning network. And a lot of the big industry players and miners didn't like it. They wanted the big blocks. And it went back and forth for a while. And the user-activated soft fork was a suggestion that was put up by a, an, I don't know the guy directly. I think he's a developer, someone named Shaolin Fry, who posted wherever they post things on Reddit. Who knows? I don't know the details. The point being, he suggested that the users just pick a date and say to the miners, look, if you don't allow for segregated witness transactions, we won't accept your blocks. And that dialogue just grew like a mushroom through the ecosystem of Bitcoin. And the users started talking and saying, yeah, this is a great idea. Screw the miners. We run this network, not them. And that's in a nutshell how the, the user-activated software was set for August 1st, 2017, and the miners, the big industry players, capitulated like a week ahead of time and said, it's fine, we will accept those blocks if people send transactions with this segregated witness. And, uh, and but, that, but at the same time, some people said, no, 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 we want bigger blocks, and that's when Bitcoin Cash was also born. So two things actually happened at the same time so yeah so I'll, I'll add to what jim was saying um i remember this very clearly um and basically uh right at this moment is 2017 2016 at end of 2016 beginning of 2017 i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure uh bitmain at the time was manufacturing um it was manufacturing about 70 to 80 percent of the total ASICs on the market, so they had a complete they had complete control, right? So him, uh, Jihan Wu, which is the CEO of of Bitmain, and uh, Roger Ver, which owned a considerable amount of the Bitcoin supply at the time, basically decided to they basically decided to take control of the network essentially because Jihan Wu had this perception that because they controlled the majority of the hash rate, right? they could dictate terms, right? And it was a very important lesson that we learned that day, right? Which is Bitcoin miners are essentially paid security guards. No more, no less. They're needed. They're absolutely needed. And I think that they are what provides value to, it is what gives value to Bitcoin, essentially, right? 
is because if you have such a high hash rate, it actually takes a considerable amount of time and energy, which equals to electricity costs, to rewrite the entire blockchain, right? I think today it's like 510 days. But essentially, they they came into this, right? Which I think this was an inevitable problem, right? So I think that this happening actually made Bitcoin stronger. So I think it was a huge deal, right? And they worked on the assumption and the perception that, okay, because we own the majority of the hash rate and because we manufacture the majority of the machines that uh, essentially, you know, that essentially make the Bitcoin hash rate, we could basically take control of the network. And what essentially happened was Roger Ver came up with some fucking dumbass idea. I mean, not very smart idea. I'm sorry, Optimus. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and he was like, okay, bigger blocks. And at the end of the day, what was so significant that day is that every single person that ran a node, right, this is very important to run your own node, voted. And when I mean voted, essentially you decided not to download the Bitcoin Cash software. You decided to stick with Bitcoin Core. That's what I mean by voted. You decided uh -huh. to stick with Bitcoin Core. And that made Roger Ver's and Jihan's fork irrelevant. And at the time, there's a lot of uncertainty because there's a time where Bitcoin Cash's hash rate for a very low, little period, a very small period of time, but at the time it was a big deal, actually overtook Bitcoins, right? So you're just like, you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, they have more hash rate. So therefore they have a more secure chain. You're just like, your head starts to spin. But then fast forward, Three years later, two years later, now the Bitcoin hash rate is a hundred times the level of Bitcoin cash. And now Jihan and Roger Ver, they still tweet, I guess, to save face. I don't I don't I have no idea. But I think I saw in Roger Ver's fucking sorry, in Roger Ver's <laughs> face when he was doing the Peter McConnell or whatever interview, I saw his face crack a little, right? And I, I literally saw the sadness in his eyes. And he was like, dude, I fucked up, right? So I think they're starting to fucking see it, right? But man, they, they I would feel terrible. You know what Roger Ver owned like a million bitcoins, I don't know how much it was, and he sold them to buy Bitcoin Cash to essentially make Bitcoin Cash. And now Bitcoin Cash is an utter disaster. It does it has it has it's had the same hash rate essentially since 2017, right? So that's telling me that people aren't interested, investors aren't interested, miners aren't interested in mining Bitcoin Cash. Its security has not increased, even though there's been a halving, right? So, man, that tells me that it's a dead coin, right? But at the time when it was happening to a, like, dude, it overtook the Bitcoin hash rate at one point. So it was kind of, it was kind of a big deal the next day or the next couple weeks or a week or two after you essentially saw the Bitcoin Core community sticking to Bitcoin Core, and and you know the rest is history, bro. The miners or the investors stuck with the Bitcoin Core pro protocol, so it was it was a huge deal. And and I completely agree with the holiday that's being celebrated and stuff. Like it was a big deal, and it totally was Bitcoin Bitcoin's uh, Independence Day. It totally fucking was. Damn. I mean, it totally was. Did I say a bad word again? I'm sorry. No, Nico, it's cool. You're fine, dude. You're totally good. It, it's good to hear you get heated about it. It's it's passion. We'll let it slide. Um, 
I just wanted to say I saw on Clark Moody's dashboard that the chain rewrite amount of days is 522. So I think you said 510, but that's still yeah, that's still thanks. close enough. And then just want to emphasize for the new coiners, pre-coiners out there that what Jim and Nico were talking about is why we run nodes. Like if if you're not running a node, then you know you're trusting someone else to verify your transactions and you're not a first class citizen a sovereign bitcoin uh, node operator and so you know we just want to emphasize that you guys should be running nodes so that you're in charge of your money and you can you know do what you want with your money and if you want to make a bonehead decision then so be it but at least you're in control and you don't have to trust anyone all right well does anyone else want to jump in real quick or uh we got a few more questions can i <clears throat> can i say something on that real quick get it nick so i joined in at the end of that but what i wanted to make a point is that whole thing bitcoin went through that is what it really means when we say bitcoin has been battle tested other shit coins that have been around like they'll say oh my coin has been around for x amount of years it's good it's been battle tested no it hasn't that that being battle tested is what bitcoin went through when there was so much uncertainty and doubt and bitcoin prevailed and it prospered through it that is actually being battle tested that's that's what being battle tested is like no other coin in you know crypto has been through anything like that it's true but like bitcoin btc is literally truly one of a kind and there's nothing that comes close to it beautiful getting me even more bullish um and that's uh, actually a perfect segue nick for our last questions jester do you want to introduce these since these are your questions or do you just want me to read them off I uh, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need the backstory, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so just first questions were, first one is, what circumstances would cause Bitcoin to fail? And uh, as Nick just said, you know, that, that was almost a circumstance that caused Bitcoin to fail. But um, personally, I, you know, maybe I'm so, so hyped on the Bitcoin Kool-Aid that I'm kind of of the opinion that at this point almost like nothing can cause Bitcoin to fail unless for some kind of catastrophic bug that we are all not aware of. And even that seems to be like a slim to none um, occasion. You know, there's, a, there's definitely a possibility of that happening. But it almost seems like Bitcoin is like, what's the word I'm looking for? Is It's like... Um, inevitable yeah inevitable it's unstoppable at this point but um anyone else what what are your guys' view on that one zombies nuclear war apocalypse <laughs> meteor. I mean, can, can i can i chime in get it so, jackie at this point in my opinion is that bitcoin at this point is inevitable and when you want to see if something could fail you have to attack the weakest link into the chain and we are the weakest the link into the chain. So the, the way that Bitcoin fails is if uh, 
we fail because at this point there is I don't think anything that could affect Bitcoin a lot except maybe a critical bug but you know what are the possibility of that so the only real problem is uh, us we are weaker we are weaker than Bitcoin yeah but like okay it's I was saying some stupid stuff earlier but in all seriousness right those things are highly improbable and we got bigger problems if those things are gonna happen anyways um so like yeah you said the weakest link is us right um and you said a critical bug right so i'm gonna answer the critical bug one first um well that's the thing about running your own node right you get to decide which software you're running right so the critical bug for a critical bug to affect bitcoin right remember that about 20 percent i'm 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 referencing Clark Moody's dashboard off memory, so I could be totally wrong here. I got it up here. Around twenty percent of older nodes are still running Bitcoin Core eighteen, right? It's nine point um, six right now. Nine point six. Thanks, uh, Optimus. So, even if there is a critical bug, and even and uh, Optimus, could you answer wh- what percentage of Bitcoin Bitcoin node operators are running the latest firmware or software? Right now, uh, point twenty is twenty five point two percent. Twenty five. Okay. So to answer uh, Jackie's statement, basically, around seventy five percent of Bitcoin nodes, if the latest software had a critical bug, would still be up, right? So, and then you said the weakest link is humans. I absolutely agree with you. If it was a national circumstance right like the united states you know all of a sudden convinced the media and politics to basically make bitcoin illegal what tends to happen right is another economy right is going to look at that as an opportunity right which is one of the reasons that the united states hasn't made bitcoin illegal right is because they can't they have their hands behind their back because they know that if they make it illegal Another country's gonna say, "Hey, Bitcoiners, come here!" You know, so it, it it creates this like Mexican standoff game, right? So, and to add to Nick's point about uh, Bitcoin being hard as hell, because I know we say that a lot because it's an awesome buzzword, but man, the way that it's the way that the art the Bitcoin architecture is set up is it makes it extremely difficult to attack. Right, that's a double-edged sword, right? Like, it also makes it very difficult to upgrade, quote-unquote, right? Because, like Optimus just said, only twenty-five percent of you know of the of of the nodes are running the latest software. So, let's say we wanted to upgrade to Taproot, right? Um, dude, it's gonna take like three years for that for that to happen, right? Because, bro. Like, not everyone's gonna want to move as fast as you. And what makes Bitcoin so resilient? is that not everyone moves as fast as you, right? So I hope that kind of, you know, covers Jackie's question. I mean, Jackie's yeah. points. Yeah, can I can I just of add course. another thing about uh, uh, humans being the weakest uh, link in the chain? So uh, in regards to what we talked about before, what you guys talked about before, WASP, just that right? I, I don't remember the, the fucking, um, oh, sorry. I don't remember the um, uh, the ac- acronym, the 
is it wasp right did you say wasp i don't know dude is it wait is it this one user is activated white anglo saxon protestant yeah okay oh, here it comes to that. That. The oh, only, okay, okay. The, the only way that bitcoin survived that period is because uh nodes so the people controlling the nodes chose the right thing and what i fear that could happen is that if uh same let's say situation uh, like comes back in let's say 30 years or 40 years and obviously the user base is much bigger and let's be clear it's full of normies and they may not be able to you know differentiate between the right thing for bitcoin and the wrong thing for bitcoin but they'll still be able to vote they'll vote the wrong thing and the wrong thing will happen and at that point it's fucked up and you cannot change that so do you get what i mean i i get what you mean dude but what would happen essentially would be a fork right yeah like you just I, described the fork I mean, right so it'd be the like the they all like the old chain wouldn't get destroyed but the the so the, the newer chain would have more consensus so let's say that it would get used more yeah so what tends to happen right is that like investors and smart money right they tend to gravitate towards the most secure chain right and like this is why i say like the hash rate is superior than the price right um because as an investor right you're not looking at you're not looking at like the price the price action the daily price action is irrelevant to you what you're looking at is like okay what gives bitcoin value right and if you ask me that question i'd say the fucking hash rate right that's what gives bitcoin value my idea in my eyes because it's like what other fucking shit coin right this is like i don't care how much technology and sorry Optimus, what other shiitake <laughs> right, coin? Go, dude, just go. <laughs> uh, what other shiitake coin has that much physical hardware? Like Bitcoin has literally the biggest computing network in the world backing it up, giving it security. Right? No other coin could say that. Period. It's not even close. It literally, it's not even close. Right? So, to answer your question, uh, to answer your question, Jack, or to answer. I would say uh, play devil advocates to your point is like, man, it would just fork, right? Like a majority of the population would just say, Hey, you know, like this is how we want things to go. And then some part of the population, the true Bitcoiners, whatever, this is how we want the, 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 the coin to go. And the smart money, right? The people, the miners and the people that are actually, you know, like really put making a, a, a substantial bet on on I would say I would say uh, the Bitcoin price or whatever you want to say um, man I don't want to say they have final say but it's like they're not going to put their money on the less secure coin right yeah man and then and then obviously you expect that you hope that the new the new coin since it's not uh let's say don't doesn't follow the obviously the doesn't follow the bitcoin values it will um fail in the end so then people will come will go back to the original 
uh, older chain. I mean, and we kind of have like a living example of that, you know, like Bcash and BSV. Is we have like, many. Yeah, Bitcoin yeah. Right. There's well, so many of them. The, the the thing is that when Bcash happened and and all the other forks happened, the majority of the community uh, were Bitcoiners then understood the differences and which one was the right one. Oh, so if the majority um, of people didn't know, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but let's say that the community chose right because uh, most knew. And I don't expect normies to have the same level of knowledge or ability to, let's say, choose rightly. Hey, can I uh, expand on that a little bit? Jump in, Jim. Yeah, so um, what you guys are referencing, for those listening that may not understand, um, Bitcoin is open source software, so you can copy it and you can have fred coin and alice coin and people did it and they gave them all kinds of fancy names and that's why there are thousands of we call alt coins or alternate uh coins other cryptocurrencies whatever some of them are uh are fairly uh famous like ethereum uh and they have a big market share and a lot of people believe in them we of course don't we think the only one that matters is bitcoin uh, but Bitcoin Cash was an actual real hard fork of, of the, the one Bitcoin protocol that was a fight over. All the others were just voluntarily created by some other people, given different names and tweaked the code in some way and created some variable on Bitcoin. And some of them stayed tied to Bitcoin as, as like an airdrop. So if you owned a Bitcoin, you got one of these other tokens. There's all kinds of different variations on this. And then it's changed and morphed a lot over the years. But the bottom line is, uh, the Bitcoin software that we run, the BTC protocol, uh, Nico referred to it as Bitcoin Core. Again, to be specific, Bitcoin Core is one version of software that will communicate over the Bitcoin protocol with full nodes. Thanks, there are Jim. other versions of Bitcoin um, that are in different languages, and uh, but they still communicate. It's almost like speaking different languages and people can still communicate using different languages if they both both understand the other and so bitcoin the protocol is written in more than one language the bitcoin core software is the most popular and the original uh and everything basically split off of that and so we're still running bitcoin core or or some um compatible version of the bitcoin uh, protocol that that Bitcoin Core also runs, and that's how these full nodes are communicating. That's the rules that they're uh, abiding by. That's how the network stays in consensus. And Jackie, when somebody decides they don't like a rule and they want to run software that's a different rule, if they try to propagate blocks or verify blocks, the rest of the network, if they're doing something with a rule that they don't agree with, they'll just ignore them. They'll get kicked off this network. If a large enough number of people do it, like with Bitcoin Cash, they create an instant other network. But we ignore them and they basically ignore us. They start running a new set of rules and now it's a centralized coin with a few people running it. And that's why we don't agree with Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin SV or any of the others for that matter. They're all centralized and Bitcoin BTC is not. It's run by the world. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Jackie, you get on that one? No, yeah, I completely agree, yeah. Uh, the, the, my concern, like, I understand that uh, the chain would be divided and everything. 
my only um, my only concern uh, coming back to the point that the human are the weakest link in the chain is that um, in the future people might not be able to differentiate and understand which what is really right and what is really wrong and they might abandon Bitcoin's original values so the majority of people would support uh, the chain, the, the, the R fork and obviously the original chain, the original Bitcoin will still exist and there will still be people uh, running it and supporting it uh, the only thing is that it wouldn't be the main one at that point and at that point you would hope that the new chain uh, would fuck up like jack jackie can i interrupt for a second yeah, yeah if you don't on. mind you you describe this as some haphazard thing that people come along new people that aren't even born yet and they somehow mistakenly start running the wrong bitcoin and there's this new chain created that's how i hear what you're saying and that's just never never going to happen. It's like when you were born into a family and your parents are using Bitcoin and they go, listen, this is the real Bitcoin, okay, kid? Don't let anybody fool you. No, like, Jim, uh, like, even if you entertain his idea, right? Like, even if you entertain his idea of, like, you know, people decide to, like, go the wrong way, even though I completely agree It with happens already and it's just it another – it's not Bitcoin. It's just something it else. Already. That's all it is. It's yeah, never going it to be anything other than that. Yeah, it's that's it. It's happened many times, dude. There's so and, many yeah. – there's but it's not going to just uh, Jackie. Could you clarify if if what I said is accurate? Are you are you basically saying this? These newbies are going to come along and not know what they're doing, and somehow just not get it, and they're going to be on uh, the wrong chain. What? Well, no, no, no. What I'm I'm saying is that there is a bad actor that would be like Roger Ver that tries to do the same thing that. Yeah, they're already do. doing it, and yeah, and, but yeah. So I, some people will get fooled. Just like no, snake oil no, salesmen in, in the 1800s. Sorry, go ahead. You you don't you cannot expect uh, that the values of Bitcoin will remain the same and that people will keep supporting the original Bitcoin in 50 years. Why not? Yes, uh, because why and, not? Why not? Because culture change. What people thinks changes over time. It's all the idea of... But, 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 Wait, do you understand, Jackie, do you understand why people value Bitcoin as money? And do you understand the properties that make anything a yeah. good money? And do you yeah. understand that something has to come along to replace Bitcoin as a good money? Now, tell me what that you think that looks like. What What is this thing that's going to... People are going to go, oh, that Bitcoin sucks now. Let's go get this other thing. As of right what, now, what is nothing. That? Nothing. Okay. But the, well, what I'm saying is that people might be fooled and the majority of people could be fooled and in the long term it's not going to be a big a big it's not going to have a big effect but it could be the most problematic attack i could see happening because i don't see i don't believe that your statement that a majority of people will be fooled that's what you're basing this like a majority of people right now a majority of people are fooled they don't even know what bitcoin is they're fooled by the fiat system it's, so it's not an attack, it can't get much worse. Jackie, it's not an attack. Like what you're describing is not an attack. What you're describing is a fork. That's it. That's a fork. And if people decide yeah. to use the less superior fork for whatever fucking God knows reason, bro, that's their fucking choice, man. They could fucking do that, but they're a fucking dumbass. People are going to gravitate towards the fork that has the best qualities of money, right? They're not going to gravitate towards the fork that has the shittier qualities of money. But even if they do, 
right? Because there's a giant delusion like in fucking communism and it's just a fucking weird delusion, right? Like, dude, then they're fucking stupid and that that's their choice, bro. And that's what happens with people that believe in 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 shitcoin, I mean, Bitcoin cash, right? Like, bro, they they just chose to use the centralized coin because it just makes them happy at night, bro. Like that's that's what I'm saying. And in 50 years, people are all stupid, and they decide to go through use the weaker form of money. Man, it just becomes another fork, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. You're gonna, and you guys are right. And you it's not an right. attack. It's not an so, attack. Like, that's not an attack. That's just a fork. Yeah, right? you guys are right. So at this point, in my mind, there is nothing that can seriously there's there's one, Bitcoin. There's one architectural attack for proof of work, right? Which is what Bitcoin uses. And that's a 51% attack. But that attack is very limited in what it could do, yeah. and it also requires uh, it requires a, a vast amount of electricity, right? It requires a vast amount of, of the hash rate, and what you you what you could essentially do is double spend, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can't you can't just say Jackie's coins are now my coins, right? No, 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 no. That's not what you could do with a fifty-one percent attack, and that's the only that's the only. I would say attack vector from a proof of work coin, which is Bitcoin, right? Which is a 51% attack. What you can do with a 51% attack is essentially say, okay, I have a hundred Bitcoin and now I'm going to send this hundred Bitcoin to an exchange. But in reality, I still kept the hundred Bitcoin, right? So you could double spend essentially, but only for as long as you can keep the longest chain. As soon as the other miners keep up with you or catch up to you, you no longer have a double spend and you better hope that you've withdrawn from that exchange already. Right? So you yeah. can only do that for a short period of time. You can't do that for very long. Right? So in terms of attack, that's the only actual attack that you could do to Bitcoin in all of Bitcoin's history. That's never been done before. Right? It's never been 51% attacked. In fact, if it has been 51% attacked, the, the actual price of Bitcoin today would not be where it is today. It would lose all like recognition, right? And now the amount of hash rate, that the hash rate keeps on going higher, the probability of it being 51% attack just keeps going low. It's not impossible because it's not physically impossible, but the probability of it being 51% attack just, be, just keeps decreasing to such an inconsequential number that it's, it's just... It's practically an impossibility, right? But it's not, it's not, but it practically is, right? So that's the only attack vector of Bitcoin. Is it getting 51% attack? But man, it hasn't. I don't think it will. Uh, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't see it happening, bro. I don't see it happening, um, especially how the hash rate is right now. Now, could you say the same thing about Bitcoin Cash? Fuck no. Could you say <laughs> nah, thing, I, about Bitcoin, uh, uh, the fucking other one? Bitcoin, sorry, Optimus. Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Gold. Yo, <laughs> Nico. Nabizmo. So, you can check a website that says, uh, yeah, so it, it costs uh, $600,000 to attack Bitcoin for an hour. Bitcoin Cash is 14000 And Bitcoin Gold is $372. Yeah, so. but you're, you're also like that also you're also you're also guessing that you it, remember that it costs 600,000 to rent the hash rate enough 
to do a 51% attack. But it's considerably more expensive to actually own the required hardware. I think it's impossible at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah, because 51% attack. Because if you do, if you try to start, if you if you start trying to mess around, and if you start trying to get a, a, a longer chain, essentially, dude, the first people that are gonna notice are the pools, right? They're gonna notice immediately, right? They're gonna be okay. I know what this guy's doing, right? And you're essentially gonna have to make your own pool, right? Because that's the only way that you're going to physically be able to pull out attack. And there's so many eyeballs looking at the Bitcoin blockchain all the time, 24-7, that, that someone's going to fucking notice. And then not only that, right? On top of that, there's actually game theory involved. It's actually, if you have that much money, right? If you have that much money, it actually makes more sense to play by the rules than it does to cheat the rules, right? which is the reason that you see these these pools, right? Like F2 pool, Ant pool, they own like 20, 30% of the hash rate. And the reason they're not being nefarious is for two reasons, right? Reason number one is it, it makes more sense for them on the long term for them to play by the rules. They make a lot more money, right? And on the short term, um, dude, if they start playing not by the rules, right? They start making the, a longer chain Essentially, they're not mining anymore, right? So they would have to they would have to tell everybody that's mining under them. I don't know if you guys know how a pool works, right? That they're still mining. So they would be paying out of pocket to the to the miners that are still using them as a pool for them to stay with them, right? Because a pool is not it's not a giant consortium of people that of the same entity owning the same miners. It's just people pooling their resources together to get a higher probability of them winning the next block reward, right? So for big mining operations, mining operations actually makes sense for you to mine with a pool, right? So dude, like if you if you understand the macro perspective, dude, as the longer that Bitcoin exists and the higher its hash rate, the lower probability it will get 51% attack. And in my opinion, the lower the probability that what you were saying, right, about people just being stupid and whatever, the longer Bitcoin exists, the lesser and lesser probability of it being fucked with the way that you're saying. Beautiful. And yeah, yeah, you're right. And so basically, it's untouchable. And it, then it, I wouldn't, that's the not, probability, it's not impossible, but the probability of that happening is really low. And then furthermore, Jackie, just like on your point, that's like why we do this, you know, so that we can spread the word and people will understand what they're doing and you know everyone else goes and evangelizes bitcoin the best we can to our peoples so that everyone understands what exactly they're getting themselves into and that uh, i i'm pretty sure we could keep going on this for for a while but in the uh the idea of trying to keep it short we're going to wrap it up on this last one and uh it's it's a two it's a two-part question that Jessifer put up so if everyone wants to look at the stream i'm gonna click on the stream so you can see the meme and uh it's taking a minute to load but he says in reference to the neo meme do you see this meme as representing a dystopian future or something closer to a positive revolution and then just to add it on and we'll get everyone's opinions on it uh, what emotional slash mental state drives your engagement in Bitcoin? 
Is it concern slash anxiety or just an interest slash curiosity? And I'll, I'll leave the meme up for a moment and you guys can just jump in. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, when I think of this meme, I I mean, you know, it's Optimus Fields for a reason. Like, I get I get an optimistic view. Uh, even though it is like the the Matrix meme, and if you, if we're really uh, extrapolating it from the Matrix, you know, in the Matrix it's like a shitty real world outside, and then in the Matrix it's whatever you want it to be. Well, I mean, hopefully it's not that per se, where like uh, the real world outside of the Bitcoin world is a pretty shitty place, and then you know our citadels are like really nice or whatever. But uh, when I think of this meme, I think of it in the sense of like the Bitcoin Renaissance, um, that humans will be living better lives and there'll be less time theft, and therefore we'll be trading our bitcoins for assets or what we want to be buying versus trading it out into a fiat currency to buy what we need to buy and um just to add on to what emotional slash mental state drives my engagement um i think it's just it's pure like curiosity and interest now but uh, it's also kind of weighed in in um just like concern and anxiety like you know i i'm one that had read the creature from jekyll island back in the day so i'm definitely falling to like the end the fed um camp and and i think that central banks are the biggest criminals that modern peoples have ever known and so if i can do anything to minimize their power that's what i'd like to do take back my time take back my money take back our lives so that that's my perspective what about you guys you guys see the meme so, like, for, for the audio listeners, I'll, I'll just read it real quick. There you go. Uh, where Neo is asking uh, Morpheus, what are you trying to tell me that I can trade my Bitcoin for millions someday? And then Morpheus is responding, no, Neo, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. <laughs> Love the meme. All right, what do you think, Jesper? What's your view? Uh... For the people that realize uh, what what Bitcoin technology offers, um, this is this is like a fantastic future for them. For for those that that don't uh, realize Bitcoin's potential and uh, like what it, what it means for the world, it it might be a a, a bit dystopian um, because. Uh, whereas, like, you know, we're able to buy Bitcoin today um, and, like, have the benefit of being able to change our fiat dollars, like, into Bitcoin. Whereas in the future, other people may not be able to. Um, they will have to earn it. Uh, they will have to spend their time and, and effort to acquire, like, satoshis or fractions of a satoshi for for their precious time so um so like there's there's sort of a duality with it um but but like in in a general sense a, a bitcoin future is a much more positive future than than what we've been experiencing um under the fiat system and uh it's it's a whole lot more hopeful 
where people can be uh, much more patient. Uh, they can be more thoughtful. They won't be in a rush all the time. They'll have the time to like invest in really quality uh, creations where people um, won't have that whole distortion that money printing has to actually like create something valuable. Um, and so like value, the, the creation of value will, will rule at the end of the day. Um, and, and Bitcoin will expose that like a, a fully Bitcoinized future will show what is valuable and what isn't. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, that's an awesome future. Um, and I, I hope all the listeners will be a part of that. Let's go. Nick, you want to jump in? Or anyone? Uh, wait, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I wasn't really paying attention too much to it's, this. I was in the chat the whole time. Sorry. It's just uh, when you look at the Neo meme, um, do you think of a dystopian future or a more positive outlook on the Bitcoin future? Um, I don't even know. I just pulled it up right now. Um, I mean, wait, can, can you ask the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> I got so much going on in my mind. Yeah, right the now. question is, when in reference to the Neo meme, do you see this meme as representing a dystopian future or something closer to a positive revolution? And then just attack it on like what emotional slash mental state drives your engagement in Bitcoin. I definitely see this as a positive, like not having to sell your Bitcoin, like or trade your Bitcoin for dollars. Like I don't, I don't want to do that. I know pretty much all of you don't want to do that. Um, I'm I'm very optimistic about the future. Um, someone else go dude i I don't know yeah yeah get it nabisma so uh, that meme gets me incredibly bullish i (laughs) would love to see um a bitcoin economy or that become the norm um i really think it's just a better way to transact and um even beyond just ending the fed and you know having a hard money i think it's just excellent for uh global business as well you know not having all these fluctuating exchange rates um but yeah i would say definitely the emotions that got me into bitcoin were curiosity and just excitement um you know not knowing what it is and it's a strange thing to wrap your head around at first and all the technology behind it um kind of drew me in but as I started to get more into Bitcoin, it also started to become um, anxiety driving my buying as well because I started to realize um, what was going on around me, really. You know, I started to understand how money worked and just how screwed up the system is and how I have a very difficult time ahead of me trying to you know get out of being a debt slave um 
and I just don't want to live my life like that. So I opted out and I spend, or no, I'm sorry, not spend, I buy as much Bitcoin as I can and hope that the day will come along that, you know, I'm not having to sell this on an exchange, but that I'm spending Bitcoin because it is, has become a unit of account and um, it is the norm. Can I, can I come in just to... Yeah, I get it, Jaggy. So obviously all of the things that you guys already said are true about what Bitcoin can obviously uh, bring to the future. And I see it as an, in an optimistic way. Uh, but obviously, I, 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 am the guy, I am the guy that is going to say it, but everyone is here. Like, we're not here uh, for just the bet, like, for a better future. We are here because we are going to be filthy rich. That's why. So, I mean, we got to say it. We cannot just say, oh, yeah, because, yeah, the future is going to be so better and, you know, it's going to evolve and it's going to progress our species. No, yeah, that and uh, uh, Big Titty Bitches and Infinite Riches. That's it. So, yeah, so everything you said is right. And I'm, and I'm all for that. I agree with you, too. But, yeah, you know, filthy rich. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, 2A, Coinacris, Dylan, Jim, Nico. Let's get your guys' thoughts and, and then we'll wrap it up. Hey there, Craig Wright. Oh, balls. <laughs> oh, no, on great. the meme, bro. On the meme. Yeah. Neo kicks Roger Ver's ass. Matrix 4. I'm giving it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2A, 2A, jump in. What do you think? What's this I, I, make you? I, it makes me feel so bullish. And it makes me want uh, never to sell my Bitcoin. I really don't want to sell them. I want to to ever to, to exchange uh, my Bitcoin for good and services. I don't, I don't see... I can't see myself going back to fiat. I want to stay in Bitcoin. That's all that I want. Preach, preach. I heard. I think, that uh, and I think all anybody like that that meme. I mean, all anybody has to do, and just one of the many resources out there. But if you read Robert Breedlove's uh, Masters and uh, something of like Slave Money and Masters, or I'm I messed up the title, but um, just you could find it pretty easy with a Google search. That is. Uh, pretty profound and like for anybody that doesn't understand how the fiat works how central banking works how money is literally created like all money is created through debt if every single debt in the entire economy was paid off if everybody's IOUs were paid off there would be no money like every single dollar even if it's a physical dollar you hold in your hand it was created through debt and so, literally, it is debt is inescapable. And like when you when we joke and say like, "Oh, debt slave," it's true because without debt in the economy, there's no money. And so, Bitcoin is this bearer asset akin to gold, but it can be sent over a communications channel. And unlike gold, its supply is audible and verifiably scarce. That's what's going to usher in this basically new like renaissance and of human ingenuity and productivity. And and there's going to be no basically slave master to to kind of siphon off value off of everybody 
fractional reserve banking, fiat currency, central banking, quantitative easing, all this stuff, this economic Keynesian just garbage, just jargon that nobody understands except the people that are willing to do the work and not a lot of people are willing to do the work, it it just siphons off value. And so we're here and we're like, yo, this is really important and not a lot of people are listening to us, but over 11 years and we've all kind of came across Bitcoin in different ways, but we've all got attracted by number go up. So will everybody else. And then that's, that's the promise of Bitcoin is number go up essentially just encapsulates and, and draws in everybody in the entire world until we're on a Bitcoin standard. And then the rent seeking central making fiat bums that don't actually produce any value, just siphon value from everyone else are gone and society as a whole is a much better place. So that's what that has me excited about a, that meme and, and the Bitcoin future. Beautiful. Beautiful. Jim Coinacris, the last to go. Yeah, quite simply, you know, um, that, that meme is definitely, definitely important. It's actually one of the first ones that really stuck with me. And, um, you know, that, to me there's just no off ramp you know like it's like i'm when i when i move when i move fiat out of that system and into bitcoin it's because it doesn't have the intention of coming back so you know like uh that's what i got for it god damn i'm bullish guys i'm super bullish it's only fitting that Jim is the last one to keep us. Extra oh, is bullish. it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I've always pictured this uh, as the reality, even before I saw the meme. That is to say that ultimately you won't ever convert back. You'll just spend it as Bitcoin. And each person will have to decide at what point they want to start spending what they've saved. Um, there will also be a time, especially for folks like us, where you will eventually start to earn in Bitcoin and you will have to spend it. And then it will be irrelevant what the price does. You'll you'll learn to deal with the ups and downs. But in the end, what you can eventually save, aside from having to spend, uh, you will be able to put it in, in a functional money and, and use the money for the thing that money was always meant to do, which is a store value. Uh, money got corrupted through governments, but originally money stored value for human beings. It was not it was not given to them by governments. It was decided by the marketplace. And uh, but but because of its physical nature, it was corrupted by governments and turned into fiat paper and uh, fractional reserve banking and all the things that ruined money. But now we have something that's digitally uh, produced, but also verifiably scarce and can be used as a money. And uh, one of the cool things about it is it's tied to real-world work in the form of mining. People have to spend money, and as Nico pointed out earlier, they look for the cheapest way to do it. But they have to do physical work in order to get the rewards that the system creates, which are these Bitcoin. And we all know that it will only create so many. We all know that we can track all of them if we want to. We all know that they're, as we said, verifiable and also scarce and can be used by humans as money. And it's not controlled by a government and it can't be inflated. And so, Jackie, it will become worth more because it now is the thing that humans need to do um, transactions, to trade with each other. We have something that we can peg the value of every other thing to that nobody can mess with. 
And that then allows it to become more and more and more valuable to the worldwide community by its nature. Um, yeah. So will it become worth more? Yes, it, it will become worth more because the world will see it as this valuable tool and, and more and more people will try to keep their value there. And by, by its nature, that limited supply will represent more value on the planet as people pour their value into it. And so any unit you hold will become worth more in the future. And someday you might have to spend some. Hopefully, it will increase in value faster than you could spend it to keep up with your needs. And you could get perpetually wealthier as you pay for your life and just go on vacation. Yeah, but another cool thing that basically the more people that are born uh, on Earth, they will need to use Bitcoin as well and they will value it as well. And since Bitcoin is as a limited supply, uh, there will be the same supply, but much more offer because over the decades more people are born and so that ramps up the the, the request for it so what what will eventually happen is bitcoin will get slowly and slowly more dispersed from the people who are the most to the people who have none and some people will learn like all humans do how to accumulate some of this stuff faster than their neighbors and starting out born with none and their parents having some will learn to accumulate more than their parents had like you becoming a famous singer and making millions and your parent your father was a plumber or something so the distribution of the wealth of the world would just circulate all around it will land a lot of it in some people's hands and a little in others and as it gets redistributed all around little by little through humanity everybody has the opportunity to get some and if it's the money of the world, you just got to find a way, somebody to give you some for some value you can give them. And you can collect as much of it as you need to if you're smart. You just bring as much value to the world. This is the whole point of having money. It's, it's to represent value. You bring some value that somebody wants and you could trade it for this thing called money. But when they screw with the money and print it out of thin air, you can't trust it to keep its value. I just saw a tweet as we were, I was listening to you guys scrolling through Twitter. <laughs> I was still paying attention, by the way. Um, but yeah, like the Turkish lira is being completely devalued. And anybody living there, their savings is evaporating because they're just spent printing money out of thin air constantly. Way worse than our government, uh, especially for a smaller country. So anyway, um, this thing called money that humans need and want is now digital, is now not controlled by a government or corporation or a single individual, but by the network itself, as proven by the user-activated soft fork three years ago. Uh, all the things we've been talking about tonight, secured by hash rate, all this stuff makes this money, this best money in the world that we now have, we can use. And, uh, and the world is waking up to it. Big corporations are sticking their savings in it. Like we covered all this stuff. It's happening. People got to wake up, man. This is the most important thing. I tell everybody and they just they look at me with blank stares. I say, this is the most important invention humans have ever created, period. Any other invention, any one, not as good. Beautiful. Not as good. Beautiful, Jim. And I think on that Thanks. note, we're going to have to wrap it up. I think I hit the over the one and a half hour mark. But, man, I got so bullish tonight, guys. I stacked three times during this conversation. So uh, thank you, boys. Uh, we'll be talking soon. Nick, you want to say some last words? No, nah, I'm good. Uh, thanks for coming out. I really enjoyed it <laughs> for the time I was here. <laughs> yeah, like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
right. It was lit, though. All right, Classic boy. Nick. Classic Nick. He's a working man. All right. Thanks for coming out, guys. This is episode 17 of Bitcoin Kindergarten, and we'll see you next week. Peace out.